Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A Wiggins. That other side, we stay winning. Oh man, you know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Yeah. Suits and ties yelling out, pay the guys, man, I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Oh man, oh man, oh man, man, you know I had. Welcome back to the Racial Draft Podcast. I am your host, Michael Ford. Joining you on a Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I'm sure that when you listen to this, the Super Bowl is already over. It's over for me too. I know who won, uh, but I will not spoil it for you who uh, somehow want to find out about sports events after the fact uh, because you recorded them or what have you. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I am here, if you can guess, because there's no one laughing at my bad jokes. That is because this is a solo episode. Uh, it appears that everyone is enjoying their Super Bowl revelry, and uh, they left me holding the bag. Um, I'm back. Uh, last week, we had a special episode, a very special episode, as they as they like to say. And, uh, you know, with having a very special episode, it means that I now have to bring you up to speed on the last two weeks of the racial draft. That would be us for this, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, changing the complexion of the comic book universe, one draft pick at a time. And uh, we are in the midst of our dynasty draft. Round six was last week. Round seven was this past week. And, uh, you know, that means that there's 20 picks that I have to run through and try to make somewhat entertaining. And, you know, that's going to be a bit of a task for me, but I, I will I will try my best. I will try my best. And hopefully, listeners, uh, you will enjoy it, uh, you know, marginally more than I enjoy uh, speaking into a microphone by myself. But uh, anyway... Um, let's just dive right into it. You know, we're not going to get into the nerd news. We'll save that for when uh, we've got people to talk about the nerd news with. Uh, the first pick of the seventh round of the racial draft. Sorry, the first pick of the sixth round of the racial draft. Uh, Yara Floor. Uh, you might not. I mean, if you're you know not a a uh, dedicated DC uh comics reader you might not be that familiar with yara floor she was introduced about uh two years ago uh in uh, dc comics as the brazilian wonder woman or as i'd like to say the amazon from the amazon um but even even that was is a little bit of a misnomer because um you know she's uh spent a lot of time in america i think she as a matter of fact uh, kind of grew up there so she's uh very americanized um be that as it may um you know controversy you know would would sort of come into play with re respect to the character because uh you know she was not written by a uh, brazilian writer um she was not created by a brazilian writer she was actually created by i believe a cuban writer so um you know this kind of puts her in the wheelhouse of the latinx delegation in that respect uh because she was drafted by the Latinx delegation. But, you know, I, I honestly think that uh, Yara Floor hasn't been perfectly uh, figured out yet. Um, I think that based on how she was illustrated by, uh, I'm forgetting the artist's name, my apologies, um, 
you know, by this artist, uh, that's going to bother me. Give me a second, listeners. I will get right back to you. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Joel Jones was the, uh, was the artist in question, the creator of Yara Floor. And, um, <clears throat> you know, her art is impeccable. And I think that a lot of her appeal early on uh, was a result of how good her art was. But there's art in this writing. And, um, you know, early on, there were some criticisms about the story. Um, but I think that between uh, the creators and between just our conception of uh, what it is to be Brazilian, um, I think that of the places, it really does kind of come down to uh, the multiracial delegation and the um, Latinx delegation. And uh, for this season, well, actually, no, this is the Dynasty Draft. So for the foreseeable future, Yara Flor's uh, fate lies with the Latinx delegation. And um, since this was from last week, uh, we are in a position to look at what the people thought about this pick. So uh, let me get right into it. The people went ahead and um, they approved uh, 75% to a, to a tune of 75%. Uh, not as strong as could have been, but all 75% was strongly approved. And uh, the 25% of the disapproval was somewhat disapproved. So, you know, it's not like people were vociferously against Yara Floor in the Latinx delegation, but, uh, you know, not as high as it could have been and definitely not as low as it could have been. Um, so, yeah, so that's Yara Floor in the Latinx delegation. Um, an another pick, which, you know, ha has got to be uh, kind of fall into the category of about time, uh, and that would be Luke Cage with the Black delegation. Uh, obviously, there's so much of Luke Cage's story that really resonates with the Black experience. There's the fact that he's uh, was created to be the sort of superhero of Harlem uh, at a time when Harlem really um, kind of directly asso was associated with blackness, uh, you know, pre-gentrification, so to speak. Um, obviously, you know, you have the fact that he is uh, wrongfully committed, uh, sorry, wrongfully convicted of a crime uh, that he didn't commit. Um, you have the fact that even though he was wrongfully convicted, uh, you know, he was still from the streets, um, you know. Um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of signifiers of of what it is to be a black man, uh, how, how he's depicted typically is in chains and muscular. And um, weirdly enough, you know, we don't talk about this enough uh, that that there's this whole aspect of how black men are viewed by the police and how they're viewed um, as kind of the criminal element. And part of the, 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 you know, what comes along with that is this notion that black men are superhuman. Luke, Luke Cage, in a lot of ways, is superhuman in the way that police think that all Black people are. Um, and it's, it's, it's a weird dichotomy because on one hand, he has the superpowers that we would like to have if we were um, in the hood, quote unquote, you know, hood. Um, but on the other hand, it does kind of fall in the line of that trope. Um, that being said, has he has been portrayed for the most part in the comics in a in a beneficial way um lately now that he's kind of um in canon a little bit older and now has you know his wife 
uh, his children. He's viewed as an elder statesman in the comic book community. Um, it has allowed the character to add a, a couple more layers. And um, and in that sense, he's he's a little bit more of like an old head, as they like to say, as we like to say. Um, and and you know, I think that's a good place for him. Um, it, it it's a little harder to have a young Luke Cage nowadays because um, you lose a little bit of the the mythos and the history. Uh, granted, based on just normal passage of time, this is a character that comes from like the black exploitation time, and you know that's. 20 years off at this point 20 years ago um no sorry 50 years ago is what i meant to say um so yeah the black exploitation era is is a gen is is over uh you know a number of generations ago it would be kind of like our parents generation if not our grandparents so depending on your age so for that measure um it's hard to um create a Luke Cage that straddles all of those eras but you know for whatever reason uh we the the 90s kind of had a little bit of a an homage to the black exploitation era so you can imagine a Luke you know from only 30 years ago or 25 or so um who might have uh better resonated um in as, as kind of when he came to came to power or came you know uh, came into play uh, for that reason i think that you could you know there are a lot of people in their late 40s or early 50s who look really young for their age um luke could be no different and um yeah i mean i think that that's probably probably the right the right age range um for a modern luke cage so uh but again black delegation uh finally got their pick um it's a dynasty draft so he's going to stay with the black community uh, for as long as as long as we see fit, and uh, I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. Moving on, uh, we can move to the multiracial delegation, which is a little bit, you know, as we we like to say, kind of like the chameleon delegation, um, because the, it encompasses so many so many other uh, groups. And in this instance, you know, we have a character that, somewhat controversially, I would say. Um, you know, Kyle Rayner, I should go ahead and say the character, um, but because somewhat controversially, um, he has existed in the comics for a number of years now, um, but was not always associated with um, an ethnic identity. Honestly, um, he was uh, often depicted with with light, lighter skin. Uh, his name, Kyle Rayner, definitely sounds like a white guy. And, um, you know, it was kind of revealed in the midst of his earliest stories that he was half Mexican, uh, half Irish, half Mexican, um, you know, and over time as representation uh, has become kind of a bigger, a bigger consideration, a bigger factor, uh, his, his Mexican roots have been highlighted a little bit more. But uh, in that sense, um, you know, Shout out to our our, our friend uh, Martine, you know, from uh, formerly from the Latinx delegation, you know, still in the Latinx delegation, but uh, formerly uh, a player in the, in the in the racial draft. Um, you know, one of his favorite characters, one of the first uh, Latinx characters in DC that he can remember, and for a lot of people in that age group, I I I, I can um, sympathize. But um, the multiracial delegation has tried to. Um, acknowledge 
that aspect, but while but also acknowledge what we kind of always knew, which is that um, his 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 ethnicity as a, a Latino has not always been in the forefront. So I think that as a multiracial character, um, it's probably good for his story to uh, focus on that aspect. The fact that he is kind of of two cultures and he's of two uh, ethnicities, races, as it were. So, uh, oh, I should have rolled it back. I didn't mention uh, that the last pick, uh, Luke Cage, uh, he got uh, 88.9, actually, uh, percent approval rating. Um just so 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 short of 90 and it was all strongly approved and then 11.1 uh somewhat disapprove of uh of Luke Cage in the black delegation about Kyle Rayner let's find out where he sat at so Kyle Rayner ended up at a 92.3 percent approval um in uh for multiracial Kyle Rayner so uh, the people the people approved 76. 0.9 strongly approve, 15.4 somewhat approve, and 7.7 somewhat disapprove, and uh, 0% strongly disapprove. Um, that brings us to the next pick, which I got to get into it because I have complicated thoughts. Uh, that would be the East Southeast Asian delegation, and uh, they selected Patrick, oh, sorry, they selected Plastic Man. Um, now, a lot of people might be familiar with the character Plastic Man. He was in some cartoons. Um, you know, he's 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 one of those characters that is not uh, he's a, a he's a superhero character, but he's not always closely associated with the comics. Uh, he's just been a part of pop culture. And uh, for that reason, um, you know, the fact that his name is Patrick Eel O'Brien might not even be something that is uh, people are well aware of. He's one of those characters where uh, his superhero persona is much more well known than his uh, secret identity. Um, but, you know, let's get into it in terms of trying to suss out whether uh, the Plastic Man persona, or the Plastic Man character is one that uh, is better suited to kind of remain white or, um, you know, what the ramifications of Plastic Man being um, something other, and in this instance, uh, Asian um, would be. Now, obviously, you know, the usual caveats apply in that I'm not uh, Asian or Asian American, um, but I am aware of some of the tropes and some of the uh, misconceptions around uh, the Asian community, um, you know, Plastic Man um, is is often depicted as kind of a clownish character. Uh, he does have, you know, a very powerful set of abilities, but, um, you know, the, the fact that he can be stretched around and the fact that he can uh, take on a number of shapes, um, most of the times uh, he's, he's depicted in, in a very goofy way and de depicted in a way that doesn't uh, take him seriously as a character. And, uh, you know, I think that some writers have gone even further with that and and made him into a borderline problematic character in the fact that his you know his goofiness uh, has translated into a willingness to to sort of engage in inappropriate humor. Um, so when you take that personality type and then you graft it onto, or sorry, you graft a um, you know in this case a Southeast Asian uh, ethnicity. Uh, on to Plastic Man, uh, you know, you do have to think about 
what the um the optics you know might be um you know because it, it could get very quickly into sort of caricature levels um granted you know this this isn't exactly what where i was going with but you know uh plastic is often um if not always um you know depicted in his trade with his trademark sunglasses um obviously to the extent that we're worrying about um caricatures the sunglasses um you know kind of a in, it um protect at least that kind of kind of ethnic um stereotyping and ethnic caricaturing but there's still a level of uh stretching him in different shapes and you know making him um appear not as traditionally human or traditionally handsome and um you know you just want to be careful in in terms of how it is you want to depict an, an asian man um and you know having him be perhaps um kind of clownish or uh, goofy and um you know what those what those possibilities might be now all that is to say that um you know charlene shout out to charlene uh you know she had a fan cast in mind for this plastic man and her fan cast was manny jacinto um now i'm very familiar with the the actor but i'm not familiar with his work um i know he does a lot of a fair amount of comedy um, and you know, he's a pretty good looking dude. Um, however, like I, like I was saying before, I think that, you know, with the plastic man persona, that's not necessarily an avenue which can, can, uh, portray, uh, Manny in, in a very charming light. Um, he's, he's a very comedic, very, um, physical comedy style, goofy character. And um, I, I don't know enough about Manny Jacinto's comic timing to know if that's the direction that he would want to uh, take his comedic persona. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that uh, in terms of the approval rating for the for this draft pick and for this fan cast uh, right now, well, not right now, but final results, uh, the, the approval rating was 75% right on the dot for... Uh, for Plastic Man of Southeast Asian, uh, with 58.3 strongly approve, 16.7 somewhat approve, 16.7 somewhat disapprove, and 8.3% racist. Uh, with respect to the draft pick, I mean, sorry, with respect to the fan cast, a uh, little bit lower, uh, 73, no, sorry, 72.7% approval rating uh with 54.5 strongly approving 18.2 somewhat somewhat approving uh, and 27.3 somewhat disapproving of uh Manny Jacinto so you know a strong strong amount of people were were into it but there was a significant number of people who who didn't see the vision um and that's you know that's the risky run anytime you you want to race bend a character that you know you've got to sell you got to sell the vision, and in this case, didn't didn't completely didn't completely come through. Uh, that brings us to the delegation that rarely needs to sell their picks because uh, we're talking about the white delegation, and the white delegation picked a very very white character by my estimation. That character being Hank Pym, who you might know if you're a fan of the Ant Man movies, 
Um, he was the original Ant-Man. He, uh, if you're a reader of the comics, you know about his uh, time as Ant-Man, as well as his time as Yellow Jacket, as well as his time as Wasp, as well as his time as uh, Ultron, well, the creator of Ultron original. And now he, uh, you know, has has kind of merged with Ultron to be what people call Pimtron. But um, yeah, controversial character because, um, you know, he hasn't aged well. He was a um a genius, is a genius superhero, but um, you know, has 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 made some mistakes, has done some horrible things, and hasn't really uh, achieved accountability for those things. And a big part of those things he's done is uh mistreat his uh, at this point ex wife, but a long time love, um Janet Van Dyne, and um, yeah, I mean Michael Douglas. Um, in the MCU has portrayed him. Um, I think Michael J Douglas is a really good actor, and you know they've they found a way to, uh, in, to capture the element of a, a a character with regrets without kind of getting into the um, you know the down and dirty of what that character did in the comics, which is you know basically, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, assaulted, assaulted his wife. Um, there have obviously been incarnations where that assault has been much worse, but, um, you know, any assault on your wife is unacceptable. And, um, you know, in, in the eyes of a lot of readers and a lot of people, unforgivable. So it's weird, you know, well, I would say not weird, um, understandable that right now, uh, Hank Pym is not viewed in a very heroic light. He's very much viewed as a, a pitiful figure, not even kind of beyond tragic um, because these were, uh, this was a downfall of his own doing. Um, all that is to say that uh, as the white delegation, um, if there was any delegation to have a character that um, has done some tough things and uh, is still trying to get um, you know, a measure of redemption, the the delegation that you want to be in, if you want to pursue redemption, if you want to have uh, people give you all of the benefits of the doubt, is definitely the white delegation in my eyes. Um, so for that reason, that's why I personally uh, approve of the character. Uh, the people feel a little bit otherwise, though. The people only uh, gave him a 70% approval rating as white Hank Pym. I, I'm very eager to hear what other ethnicities they'd like to see Hank Pym be given, uh, giving his failings as a human. Um, but 50% uh, strongly approve, 20% somewhat approve, and 30% somewhat disapprove um, of white Hank Pym. Um, and again, I would love to hear listeners uh, hit us up on our email, on our Twitter, email at uh, racialdraftpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter at racial draft pod, uh, Instagram at racial dot draft. Uh, yeah, just just give us a heads up on uh, what you think is a better fit for Hank Pym, if not white. I'm very curious to know. Um, but that brings us to a different delegation, uh, also making a defensive pick. But this one, well, I say defensive pick, but really. The, this was a, a, a racial draft that happened in real life that the South Asian delegation is trying to lock down 
as part of the dynasty draft. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, we're talking about Titania. Uh, Titania was played by Gila Jamil, uh, sorry, Jamila Jamil in the She-Hulk series. Um, I think that for the most part, uh, people really liked her interpretation of the character, uh, the sort of super-powered social media influencer. Um, in comics, you know, she's more of kind of a pro wrestler uh, style character, uh, still a powerhouse. Um, you know, her origins in the comics are kind of tied to Doctor Doom and such. Uh, we haven't really gotten into her origins in live action. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, Jamila Jamil brings a, a, something to the role and something to the character that uh, has made her a little bit of a cult following. I think she sort of made her a cult favorite, rather. And I think that people will be eager to see her again. And that, and you you want that for a character. And you especially want that for a race-bent character. I'm sure there are people out there that feel like, no, she should have stayed white. Um, but for the most part, I think people approved uh, if of this character as as was reimagined. And, uh, you know, you you love to see it from from our perspective here at the racial drafts. Um, so for that reason, I'm not shocked that uh, in terms of the approval rating for both uh, South Asian Titania as a concept, uh, 92.3 approval rating with all 92.3 strongly approved. And uh, the 7.7 7, uh, was somewhat disapproving, not even strongly disapproving. And with respect to uh, the casting of Jamila Jamil, uh, we're looking at 93.8% approval with all 93.8 strongly approving so that is you know near unanimous and uh like i said 6.3 uh somewhat disapproving and probably uh someone who auditioned for the role and didn't get it honestly but um so yeah uh home run for the south asian delegation uh you know i i know that i've been somewhat critical of their picks uh here and there but uh this is the kind of pick that i that i i, I can only uh, give kudos to. But next up, the Native American delegation um, with a pick that um, there's there's a lot of good and there's a lot of um, inter interesting, uh, to say the least, aspects to. Um, and that would be Victor Creed, aka Sabretooth. Now, of course, uh, we those of you who have been paying attention uh, throughout this draft know that a big part of the um, the characters that the Native American uh, delegation have, have been targeting this season have been tied into uh, Logan and uh, the Wolverine sort of aspect of, of the comics. Um, I think that there are a lot of signifiers in Wolverine's character that do make him, um, you know, fit well and, and fit uh, and resonate as it were as a, um, a Native American character. Um, now, Sabretooth, in a lot of ways, can be seen as uh, Wolverine's or Logan's kind of dark half. Is uh, you know, his other side. Like, what if Wolverine wasn't a good guy? Um, so for that reason, I definitely think that Sabretooth um, can can totally fit in a universe where uh, both with Logan is also Native American, um, but. You know, whenever you have a situation where you're dealing with a villainous character and uh, a, a pretty 
pretty tough hang uh, in terms of potentially reprehensible uh, character. Um, you always want to worry about uh, there being some kind of like community uh, community blowback. Uh, obviously, Sabretooth is one of the things that gets associated with Sabretooth is his savagery and his sat sadism. Um, you know, uh, you, you do you do wonder if if a Native American Sabretooth you know, again, I think that if you have a Native American Logan and Native American Sabretooth, it's less of a problem. But if, you know, in a, in a vacuum, if it's just Sabretooth, uh, maybe a little bit more of a problem to have Sabretooth be, uh, be Native American. But again, this is maybe, maybe towards, this is skewing towards concern trolling. I think it was a very strong pick. I, I think the Sabres is a really cool character. And, you know, to have him in the, in the dynasty draft um, means that, you know, he's, he's, he's there to stay. He's there to stay. Um, so the people, for the most part, approved 93.4% approval rating for Native American Sabretooth. And that's 67, 66.7, strongly approved. 26.7 somewhat approve and 6.7 somewhat disapprove of Native American Sabretooth. So, yeah, nothing really negative except for the fact that I just went off for five minutes being negative about it. My bad. <laughs> My bad. That brings us to another character that, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of arguments in favor of this character in this delegation. And that character not necessarily most the most well-known of characters. We did talk about this character last week um, because he was part of the of DC's plan for a solo television series, and that would be uh, Booster Gold. Uh, he is a uh, his real name is Michael Carter, but he is a time traveler from the future who brings futuristic technology into the present day as a way of becoming a superhero here. Um, a big part of his story is that he's a little bit of a loser. So uh, he, he wants to come here and be less of a loser. Now the Jewish delegation drafted him. And I think that I can definitely see, um, and I, you know, insert uh, jokes about uh, gold being uh, a Jewish last name, but uh, no, I can definitely see uh, some of the uh, comedic traits that are often associated with Jewish uh, actors. Um, you know, the quirks and the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, neuroses, so to speak, that uh, kind of pervade I can I can definitely see Booster Gold kind of falling under that. Um, so so it's not surprising that um, that the approval for Jewish Booster Gold is fairly high, ninety percent approval rating for Jewish Booster Gold. So you know that feels right, honestly. Um, however, um, normally you know normally our guy Jared is uh, pretty much nails his fan casts, um, but this time out. Uh, he did not, to say the least. Uh, so his fan cast was uh, Andy Samberg, who you might know, of course, from Saturday Night Live and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I like him in, in certain roles, but I don't like him as Booster Gold, I got to be honest. Um, and, you know, I was not um, 
you know, there were a lot of people who shared my my perspective there uh, because he only got 46.7% approval rating uh, with all 46.7 strongly approving, but uh, a whopping 54.4, uh, sorry, whopping 53.4 uh, disapproval with 26.7 somewhat, somewhat disapproving and 26.7 strongly disapproving. I said somewhat and then strongly. Yes. Either way, not big fans of Andy Sandberg as Booster Gold. And uh, like I said, I concur. Not my would have not have been my first pick. However, Booster Gold on his own, just as a character that is Jewish, happens to be Jewish. Cool. I could totally see it. And that brings us to the second to last pick in the sixth round of the racial draft, and that is Vandal Savage. Now, Vandal Savage is an interesting character um, because, you know, he his his roots go all the way back to the caveman days. Um, and for that reason, you can really kind of, um, you can do some things with the character. Um, unfortunately, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that a big part of his character having lived for thousands of years uh, is that he's he's played he's a villain so he's done horrendous things uh over the years as uh, prominent historical figures or at least having proximity to prominent historical figures um and and part of that was also that he was associated with the Nazis which is you don't like that um you definitely don't like it from a uh, racially drafting perspective because then you you know you want to say oh well if he was down with the nazis he definitely should have been white but i mean for the most part he's depicted as a little bit you know swarthy so to speak i don't know if that's a slur but you know he's he's he he he's, he, he could easily be um perceived as as someone uh you know of color from either the the North African or um, you know Southwest Asian uh, part of the world, perhaps Turkey, uh, perhaps you know early early. If we're talking about the the uh, cradle of civilization, um, a lot of that was in the so-called Middle East, and um, you know even the uh, Caucasus Mountains, you know which is where the name Caucasian comes from, uh, there's a fair amount of, of sort of brown, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to misuse the terminology, but, um, you know, Arab looking, uh, individuals, uh, in that, in that part of the world. I mean, I think it's possible for someone, uh, with a Swana main, a background, uh, to pass as white, and uh, even take part um, based on his his past uh, in in a genocide because again at the end of the day he's he's evil uh, he but he precedes uh, conceptions of race so maybe from that perspective he could be um, part of the you know part of the Nazis obviously that's not what you want <laughs> you know what I mean especially not today but uh, yeah um, so Vandal Savage. I think I think that it could work in terms of how he's traditionally depicted. I think it could work in terms of um, you know, 
representation, even though it's a somewhat problematic representation and someone could even bring that to his attention. But um, yeah, the people somewhat, people fairly approve, uh, 80% approval rating for uh, Suwana Vandal Savage, uh, 70% strongly approve, 10% somewhat approve and 20% somewhat disapprove. So uh, that's, that's where we are with that character. And then the final pick of the seventh, sorry, of the sixth round. I keep saying that. Sorry, guys. The final pick of the sixth round is uh, John Constantine. Now, I got to be honest. I thought John Constantine would have been drafted a long time ago. But, um, you know, he just kind of sat there. And, you know, we've talked about this before. The fact that Keanu Reeves has played Constantine before. Keanu Reeves, um, who, you know, has a number of um, ethnicities that he associates with. But um, the Polynesian delegation went ahead and drafted Constantine. Um, now, like Keanu, uh, Constantine could definitely have both British and uh, Hawaiian roots. And, you know, we've joked about it, the fact that Keanu, uh, his British accent is, is very wanting. But um, again, he's played Constantine before and and he's popular. And a lot of people have, uh, they're, they're pretty excited for the idea of him returning uh, to the role of Constantine. So it was a smart smart pickup, I think, for the Polynesian delegation to go ahead and get a character that is already associated with a Polynesian actor. Um, and for that reason, I think that's why the character is currently sitting at 77.7% uh, uh, for the Polynesian uh, Constantine draft pick. Now, but I got to say, I was shocked because of what I already said about the popularity of, of Keanu Reeves in, in many circles to find out that he was only at a 72.4% approval rate, sorry, 71.4% approval rating for Keanu Reeves as Constantine. So that would have been 57.1, strongly approve, 14.3, somewhat approve, 21.4, somewhat disapprove, and 7.1, racist. But, um, you know, strong pick. Well, one of my favorites, actually, from the Polynesian delegation. And uh, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see whether this is a character that uh, has the, as the, the Keanu Constantine uh, continues to exist, whether uh, he, he sort of carves out his own niche as a Constantine that we respect. But yeah, that was the seventh round. Sorry, that was, oh, I did it again, guys. I apologize. That was the sixth round, um, you know, in, in a second. Well, we'll come back off the break and then we'll talk about the seventh round. We are back. And yeah, now we're going to talk about the seventh round and I'm going to hopefully uh, not keep slipping up every time I talk about the seventh round. Uh, we, we kick it off with the uh, Polynesian delegation and uh, their pick of Gamora, where, um, you know, I like Gamora. Uh, Gamora is an alien character, so obviously there's not a lot of, um, there there is a lot of room for that character in, in, in terms of how that character resonates and is um, coded. Um, because the character, you know, isn't uh, tied to any earthbound uh, traditions, but 
you know, for that reason, uh, it does kind of raise questions about what the Polynesian delegation envisions um, in order to, um, you know, in order in order to apply that culture to, or you know, a culture to Gomorrah. Uh, so for that reason, um, I'm a little skeptical. Um, not to say that I don't approve, but I, I, it's hard for me to strongly approve without any more information about what what um, being Polynesian Gomorrah entails. Um, now, granted, uh, there was also a fan cast, and the fan cast, uh, uh, Shushila Takayo, um, who is a Maori actress, I am really not familiar with her at all. Um, so I can't say whether, uh, as an actress, uh, she would be uh, an improvement on, um, sorry, <laughs> whether she's an improvement on, 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 on Zoe, Zoe Saldana, uh, Saldana. Um, you know, um, I'm a big fan of Zoe um, in, in a lot of things. I think she's fairly underrated as an actress. And I think that she, I, I'm not 100% sure that Gamora uh, would have worked in, in live action uh, without a strong actress. So, um, you know, for that reason, uh, I think that this actress uh, has a lot to, uh, has a work cut out for her in terms of making us forget about, um, you know, Zoe Saldana. But, I mean, she is beautiful, although I don't necessarily know how much of that beauty is going to carry through through the green makeup um but you know i can't i can't disapprove of this actor of this actress so uh right now um you know again with with a little bit over a little bit under a day left uh we're looking at from an approval perspective we're looking at uh 70 no 81.8 percent approval rating for polynesian gamora and we're also looking at 83.3% approval for uh, Shushila Takayo as uh, Gamora. So uh, the breakdown for that is 54.5, 24.3, in terms of approval, and then 75% strongly approve, 8.3 somewhat approve, and 16.7 somewhat disapprove. Um, of of this actress. Oh, nobody noticed a typo. Oh well, but um, <laughs> that is unfortunate. However, we move on to uh, this pick. is It's an interesting pick for sure, but I think it fits. So uh, we're talking about the Swanamena delegation, and we're talking about Araco. Now, obviously. Uh, earlier on, uh, we dealt with the controversy that was, uh, uh Krakoa, uh, that we like to joke about with Randy when Krakoa was drafted by the black delegation, but you know, the precedent was set, uh, this season Krakoa was drafted by the Jewish delegation. And, um, I thought that, uh, Jared made a case for, uh, Krakoa, especially in, in the sense that, uh, what was, what they're doing uh, in the current books of the X-Men on Marvel uh, with respect to uh, the story of the mutants. I think that there have been a lot of parallels 
being drawn between what the mutants are doing uh, for their homeland of Krakoa and, um, you know, what uh, Jewish people do um, with, with respect to Israel. Um, they're, you know, two marginalized groups of people who create a homeland and are uh, determined to uh, protect their homeland and their uh, sovereignty uh, by any means necessary. Um, I think that with respect to Araco, though, you have an interesting element because you have it's it's very much a sister state. Um, it's very much um, almost a uh, two state solution, for lack of a better term, in the sense that they the these uh, land masses were separated, and uh, the the Iraqi people. I think it's Iraq, yeah, Iraqi um, people. Um, were subjected to a much tougher road than um, than the people of Kara uh, sorry than the people of Krakoa, um, and I think that clearly in terms of iconography, uh, there's a lot of kind of ancient Egyptian vibes uh, associated with Arako, um, and I think there's the, the, like I said this dichotomy of of uh, not to say that the mutants have had it easy or the mutants of Krakoa have it easy, but they've definitely had it easier than the mutants of Arako. And, um, and, you know, I think that for, you know, for, for better or for worse, I think that the Jewish um, uh, delegation or Jewish people and the um, Swana or, you know, Middle Eastern people, um, there's, there's a, there's a certain tension there, you know, in real world, in terms of real world uh, sense, in terms of um, what it means to discuss uh, the Middle East, um, and you know having having their sister state, uh, their sibling state, as it were, um, be associated with the Swanameda delegation. For me, I think it creates a nice little parallel, um, and you know, we this is the first season that in addition to talking about Morocco as a as an entity as a a sentient being uh, we're also talking about Morocco as a place and I think that in terms of imbuing that place with a vibe with a culture with a sense of of what it is I mean I've, I feel like I've already seen it uh, so far in the comics as um kind of hewing towards um, you know, the sort of Southwest Asian, North African uh, aesthetic. So, um, you know, right now it's sitting at 71.4% approval, um, not the highest. So it's not going to, you know, uh, score points, but I, I like it. I think it's, I, I think it's a, an inspired pick. Uh, but that brings us to the Jewish delegation. We just talked about them. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, we we talked about land in the uh, in Morocco. Uh, this is more vegetation, <laughs> and um, this is a character that is about to get a, a pretty strong push in um, in live action. We talked about him last week as well, and that would be Swamp Thing, uh, Alec Holland, um, who is a little controversial, I suppose, in that he's a he's a character, he's a horror character who. Um, I believe a scientist who died and was reborn as an avatar of 
of the earth, of, of, of the greenery, of the plant life. Um, and, you know, he has, he meets out justice in, in, uh, in different ways. He's also connected to uh, the supernatural plane, uh, the Justice League dark of it all. Um, you know, I, I still haven't seen that series that uh, was well-reviewed. Um, I did see some of the, I did see a Swamp Thing movie from way back in the day. But um, yeah, I mean, there's no reason that Alec Holland uh, couldn't be Jewish. Um, I don't know specifically how you could uh, imbue uh, Jewishness to the Swamp Thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel uh, discordant in any kind of way. Um, so right now, uh, it's sitting at 100% approval rating. It doesn't appear that anyone has any objections to uh, Jewish Swamp Thing. Uh, with respect to the casting of um, of Alec Holland, a um, little bit more dicey, but you know, not exactly uh, tremendously dicey. Uh, you know, Daniel Radcliffe, who you might uh, know if you watch those Harry Potter movies. He's the titular Harry Potter. Um, he's he's a little older now. Um, and then Jared chose him as a, the Alec Holland. I personally don't see it. Uh, granted, I haven't read a ton of Swamp Thing comics. Um, and I haven't seen a ton of Swamp Thing media. But, you know, um, I don't necessarily see Alec Holland as British. Um, and I have seen Daniel Radcliffe mostly being British. Um, so me personally, I mean, I, again, I'm not, I don't have a deep, deep, deep opposition to it, but it doesn't, you know, scratch me where I itch. Um, but right now it's a 90% approval um, and 50% uh, strongly approved, 40% somewhat approved and 10% uh, anti-Semitic, you know, it's a shame. You always hate to see it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Swamp Thing, Jewish delegation. That brings us to the Native American delegation. And uh, I suspect here that this was um, maybe not, maybe not as fully thought, thought, thought out, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Toriano, you know, if you've got some, got a backstory, if you've got some cool ideas for the character, um, you know, we've talked about this before in that uh, Word Roof by Night, Jack Russell was already race bent um, for the MCU. Um, he's being played by... Um, oh, let me get his name right. Gael Garcia Bernal. Sorry, I apologize, Mr. Bernal. Um, he's a really good actor. Um, I've I've been enjoying him in um uh, Station Eleven. Um, he's been in a number of films, a number of well-reviewed films. Um, he's a Mexican actor, and you know of of some acclaim. And for that reason, I think that um you know they found a way to make uh, Jack uh, Mexican as opposed to British, which um, the werewolves in the, you know, the werewolf by night mythos tend to be. Um, I would love in future projects, I mean, they, they sort of touched on it in the, uh, in the show, the, the special, as it were, the werewolf by night special that uh, he has, chosen to honor his his history and his uh you know potentially indigenous traditions but 
but that was it. There was just kind of like one one line about it and it never really uh, played itself out. So if there's a sense to which um, Toriano and the Native American delegation can can flesh that out and uh, talk about how, um, you know, maybe not being played by Gail Bernal, but but a, a different actor can continue to um, expand on the idea. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, I've not read or seen any of the Twilight movies, but I do know that uh, in the Twilight movies, uh, the Native Americans um, are associated with, with werewolves. So who knows if that's going to play a role in in this um, idea of Werewolf by Night as a Native American character. Um, lo love to hear more from Toriano. Uh, for me, as of now, I'm still a little bit skeptical, but not so skeptical that I don't, um, that I don't approve. I'm just kind of, you know, like to hear more. So right now, um, he is now sitting at 55.5% uh, approval uh, with 22.2 strongly approve, 33.3 somewhat approve, 33.3 somewhat disapprove. And 11.1, racist. But we will move on to the fifth pick of the seventh round. Uh, this one is pretty cut and dried. It's a defensive pick in the South Asian delegation. Uh, that would be uh, Paviter Prabhakar. Uh, he is one of the Spider-Verse characters. Uh, he's from Earth 5000, no, sorry, 50,101. Uh, the Spider-Man of India. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing to say. The multiverse allows a lot of different aspects. Obviously, the fact that he is a multiverse character means that he's not going to get a ton of uh, uh, showcase and focus. And, um, you know, he's not going to be featured as the Spider-Man. But, you know, when you have a Spider-Man of India... It makes sense that the South Asian delegation would want to uh, solidify the Spider-Man of India remains a Spider-Man of India. Um, and, you know, who knows? Maybe I, I think it's a very strong chance he's going to show up in the uh, upcoming uh, Spider-Verse sequel. Um, not to say that there are very going to be points associated with that, but that's just to say that you, you want to lock down this character. Um, so right now, from an approval perspective, there was 82.4% uh, approval uh, with all 82.4 strongly approving, 0% uh, somewhat approving, 11.8% somewhat disapproving, and 5.9% racist. Seriously, though. I mean, it's a South Asian character uh, that is continuing to be South Asian, and there are people out there not approving. It's, it's, it's a shame. Uh, as far as the as far as the actor that was picked for the fan cast, uh, Ishan Kater, um, I'm not familiar with his work. Uh, he seems to be pretty popular and has a pretty good fan following. Um, so I'm not shocked that we're that it's a 90% approval rating for this casting, with all 90% strongly approving um, of him as the Spider-Man India. Um, like I said, 90% strongly approve, 5% somewhat disapprove, and 5% racist. But that brings us to 
the white delegation's back. Uh, this time, they've gone with a character that is far less, um, you know, well-known and iconic. However, if rumors are to be believed, this is a character that you that we will see very soon in the MCU. Uh, this is he's very much a Superman analog, but you know he's got a little bit more issues. Uh, that would be Robert Reynolds, aka the Sentry. Um, you know, first glance, big old Superman ripoff. Uh, he wears an S instead of on his chest, on his belt. Uh, he's got all those flying and uh, energy and super strength and the powers that we traditionally associate. He even wears a cape. Uh, he doesn't wear red and blue, you know, so that's different. Um, he's got, yeah, like I said, he's got Superman-esque powers. However, there's a dark side to him. And that dark side is the void, um, which is the darker aspect of his uh, secondary personality is better. So probably a better way of saying this. Um, and and he's been rumored to appear in the um, in the Thunderbolts film. Has not been confirmed, but um, I suspect that the that this aspect of that of him potentially appearing in that film has been part of the impetus for the white delegation because he's not really in the books that much. I mean, he's had solo runs. Uh, he pops up, you know, here and there, but, um, you know, there are a number of characters that are viewed as Superman analogs and centuries merely one. Um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see how things go, how things progress with this character. Uh, so the people are sitting at, uh, 77.8% approval. Uh, for white, for still white century, uh, with 55.6 somewhat, 55.6 strongly approve, 22.2 uh, somewhat approve, 11.1 somewhat disapprove, and 11.1 strongly disapprove. So, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, white century. Uh, the seventh pick, this is a pick that uh, I kind of agree with. Uh, the East Southeast Asian delegation. See the East Southeast Asian delegation. Um, they've they've drafted one of the Aqua people. Uh, and in particular, they've drafted Garth, uh, who used to be he was the original Aqualad. Um, now he's known as Tempest. Um, he has mostly been depicted as white, but he's sometimes been depicted as kind of like, hmm. You could talk me into him not being white. Um, so for that reason, I think it's smart of the uh, East Southeast Asian delegation to draft him because, you know, there are enough illustrations where you could at least plausibly make the case. And um, if we're talking about the water, I, why wouldn't there be uh, Asian people in the water? Um, you know, in, in particular, if we're talking about the Philippines, that's an island. Um, you know, yeah, for sure. I could definitely see uh an, an Asian American or an Asian uh, Tempest. Um in terms of the fan cast, uh, I'm not familiar with this individual, uh Bretman Rock. Um I did a, a little bit of Googling. Um, this is an actor who I suppose is part of the LGBTQ uh community, um gender fluid, I I, I believe. 
Uh, I apologize if I'm not getting uh, the pronouns and, and such correct. Uh, however, um, a degree of controversy around it, but as far as the approval is concerned, not not too much. Um, so the the draft pick uh, is at a 72.7% approval rating. Uh, the, the fan cast is at an 82.9, sorry, an 80, sorry guys, math is hard. <laughs> a um an eighty one point nine percent approval rating, uh, with forty five point five strongly approve, thirty four point four somewhat approve, nine point one somewhat disapprove, and nine point one racist. But um, look, that's a pretty high number. Um, the next pick, man, I wish there's someone here to talk this through because I have thoughts. Because the multiracial delegation selected Squirrel Girl. And I got to say, on one hand, Squirrel Girl does not have to be a white woman. She doesn't. Um, but on the other hand, she kind of does. And the reason I say that is because this is a character who is quirky who is unconventionally um, shaped, unconventional in terms of um, her attractiveness. And, and this is probably the most important, typically depicted as wholesome and not sexual. Um, and I think that I think it's those characteristics and those qualities kind of all put together that that make her very relatable for a certain kind of um, female fan. And I think that it's what we've seen over the years is that it's hard for that kind of fan to associate to the same degree with a woman of color. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, listeners. I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but this is just my perspective on things. I, like I said, I would love to have, um, you know, a wider range of of um, people on the show that we can, we can talk through this. And hopefully we'll come back around to it when, when I have a guest. But, you know, I do think that, you know, we have to consider that, that reality that... Um, you know, women of color are not afforded that same level of freedom to be kind of quirky and wholesome, uh, particularly when they are shaped the way that that uh, Doreen Green is shaped. Um, I think that often that kind of sort of thickness, for lack of a better term, uh, is associated with sexuality. And I think that, I mean, unless she's like literal child, um, people are will take it to some inappropriate places, but I think that when you know when the character's white, I think there's an additional level of, for lack of a better term, protection from that. Um, but again, I I applaud the multiracial delegation for 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 pushing forward 
uh, or pushing away from that narrative. Um, but I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if there was some degree of pushback um, in that respect uh, for those reasons. So I'm, I'm very curious. Um, right now I'm looking at the approval rating and maybe, you know, maybe it's just me because the approval rating right now is at uh, 85.4, sorry, 85.7% approval um, with 57.1 strongly approving, 28.6 somewhat approving, 14.3 somewhat disapproving, and 0% racism. Wow. Uh, as far as the fan cast, this is an actress that I'm not familiar with at all. Um, her name is Geraldine Viswanan. Um, sorry, Viswanathan. Um, like I said, I don't know where she's from. I will look her up very quickly just so I can not be completely useless. Uh, she was on something called the Broken Hearts Gallery, The Package, uh, Miracle Workers. Oh, Blockers. That, that's a movie I was aware of. Uh, in seven days so uh yeah so she's she's australian um and yeah she's part uh part white part south asian so um you know she fits the bill uh she's of a lighter skin but i don't know like i said i think that i do think that what i had said before about how how women of color are depicted and how women of color are perceived um is going to kind of undercut the squirrel girl character in terms of how we we see her um you know listen this is a woman who who hangs around with squirrels and 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 that's just accepted as as a thing but uh yeah her approve the approval for her was also high um i don't know if i mentioned it before but uh, 85.7% approval for her so you know pretty strong and that brings us to Black delegation. That's right. Black delegation's back, and they uh, made another uh, strong pick, albeit a safe pick, in that they drafted Misty Knight, Mercedes Misty Knight. You might know her from the Luke Cage show, where Luke Cage was drafted in the previous round. Uh, she was played by Simone Missick. Um, obviously, you know if you, you know, she's got this big old afro. Um, she she kind of feels of a piece, you know. We spoke before about Luke Cage kind of being from the black exploitation era. I wouldn't say she's one hundred percent from the black exploitation era, but uh, you know, she she seems like a character that wouldn't feel uh, that wouldn't feel out of place there. Obviously, she has a bionic arm, which is which is a thing. Um, she's a former cop, which you know, not what you want all the time. Um, and of course. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention her, like, you know, longstanding uh, partnership, friendship, uh, besties relationship with Colleen Wang, the daughter, you know, as part of the Daughters of the Dragons, um, the Daughters of the Dragon, I apologize. And, um, and yeah, I mean, Misty Knight really wouldn't want to see her with any other delegation but the black delegation so i'm happy that the black delegation made this acquisition uh the people fair people for the most part approved 91.3 uh 
percent approval with all 91.3 strongly approving uh sadly there are people out there that are just haters um, because there's 4.3 somewhat disapproving 4.3 strongly disapprove which is just racist if you really think about it um from the fan casting perspective um you know um they went ahead and kept simone missick i like simone missick in the aesthetic that they were going for with uh, with the Luke Cage show, but I think that she was better at playing uh, the cop that is Misty Knight than whatever Misty Knight kind of is um, in the in the comics, where she's more of a like spy slash bounty hunter slash uh, more flamboyant um, character. I I just never saw elements of that Missy in Simone Missick's performance. Um, so I, I would be looking, I'd be perfectly okay with her being recast in the MCU. Um, that's just me personally. I don't, like I said, I don't think Simone Missick was, was bad in the role, but I don't feel like, you know, we could, I don't feel like we could do better. We couldn't do better. Um, now, from an approval perspective, we're sitting at 81, sorry, 83.8. 3% approval with a uh, 58.3 strongly approving and 25 somewhat approving uh 16.7 somewhat disapproving so uh you know obviously for the most part it's approving across the board and then it brings us to the final pick of the round uh and that would be the Latinx delegation and their drafting of Commissioner James Gordon. I mean, not always the commissioner. I don't think currently in the comics he's the commissioner of Gotham City, but we we know him as Commissioner Gordon, the father of Barbara Gordon, who, you know, we, we gotta be, have to acknowledge that despite the fact that in the Batgirl movie uh, she's Latina, uh, in the, uh, the racial draft, she was acquired by the white delegation. So, you know, we can, we can adopt our way around that, though. However, yeah, James Gordon, Latino, he's been drafted as such in other seasons, so it's not that hard to imagine. Uh, there was a fan cast that came through today, and that would be Jimmy Smits, who you might know from a variety of things, uh, including Star Wars, including NYPD Blue, including Dexter. Um, you know, he's a, he's he's what they like to call a zaddy. Um, and yeah, Zaddy, Zaddy says Jimmy Smith's as, as James Gordon, uh, who could disapprove of that? Uh, well, apparently 6.7% of people disapproved of Latino Jim Gordon. Uh, and then of course you had 10% of people disapproving of, uh, Jimmy Smith's as Commissioner Gordon. That means 93.3 strongly approved of Latino Jim Gordon and 90% strongly approved of Jimmy Smith as Commissioner Gordon. Uh, I This is where I shouted out Carlos for the fan art. Go ahead and check him out, uh, both anywhere on our socials, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, um, you know, because Carlos continues to do his thing with the fan art. But yeah, that's it. That was the 10th pick of the seventh round. Uh, we did it. We made it. We we went through 20 picks this week. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, you'll be back next week. And it, I 
hope. Uh, I, I don't want to promise, but I hope that we'll be joined by some other personalities because I do not have uh, that much personality. As much as I do have some opinions, I, I don't know that uh, everybody wants to listen to me for two straight hours. Uh, hopefully I have subjected you to not too much torture, but uh, I don't want to keep you any longer than I need to. If you want to chime in and give me the opportunity to respond to your perspectives, go ahead and email us at racialdraftpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up at racialdraftpod on Twitter or at racial.draft on Instagram. Uh, you can also find our videos as they go out on our YouTube page. And uh, what else? Racial Draft on Facebook. But until next time, listeners. All things are possible.